Another five-word fable from TeamRock.com. This purchase was a mistake. What up? All right, welcome. This is episode three, Revenge of the Jews cast. You can probably see which way I'm going with the whole naming system here. What the hell am I going to do once we get past episode seven? I have got no idea. Answers on a postcard. I'll probably like end up naming them after Star Trek movies or something like episode 13, The Voyage Home. That was the one with the whale, wasn't it? That was a, an odd concept. I know, let's send the crew of the Enterprise back in time, conveniently to the 80s, where they can rescue a humpback whale. How much were they smoking when they came up with that? Oh, and conveniently, they're all human crew members, so all Spock's got to do is put on a headband. Real convincing. But I'm kind of getting somewhat sidetracked here. This juice cast, as always, is kind of a best bits of my show from this week on teamrock.com. Although calling it best bits is liable to get me sued by trading standards. So let's just call it the least crappy bit, shall we? But as always, thank you. Because if you're listening to this, and that means you've taken the time to check out the juice cast, you've gone to SoundCloud and whatnot. The thing on iTunes, that will definitely be happening soon which will make it a hell of a lot easier to listen to this podcast and it'll, it'll just make life a whole lot easier. But I want to try and work a few things out. So if you're listening to this, you've actually put the effort in. So thank you, man. I really appreciate it. If you want to get in touch for anything, if you've got any feedback, if you've got any suggestions, if you just want to get in touch and say, will you shut the fuck up? Then you can just tweet me to at Dewsbury Rock. That's Dewsbury, as in the small Yorkshire town. D-E-W-S-B-U-R-Y, rock, the twee candy that you get from Blackpool and other places. Blackpool, ugh. Full of hen parties and vomit. I haven't been to Blackpool in ages. If I can avoid it, I probably won't go, to be quite honest, but there you go. There's loads of stuff on the podcast this week. Loads of stuff. I keep, should I use the word podcast or juicecast? They're kind of interchangeable in this situation, isn't it? but fuck it. So there's loads of stuff on the Jewscast this week. Going to be talking with the guys from Crowbot. They've been out on tour this week. So catching up with them, talking about all sorts of stuff, including their Crowbot Supernatural that they've been having brewed. Going to be talking with Andy Cairns from Therapy because they've got a few dates coming up and Andy's a top dude anyway. He really is an absolute ledge. There's going to be a few bits from the Classic Rock Awards that took place this week. Because I was there, I was working, doing a bunch of stuff, a great night. But if you want to get the full shebang on the Classic Rock Awards, here's the thing, right? If you go to teamrock.com, go to the on-demand section, and you can listen to the full three-hour special that we did from the venue on the night. There's interviews with the likes of Alice Cooper, Jimmy Page, there's Joe Satriani in there, there's Brian May in there, there's We Are Harla in there, everybody who was at the Classic Rock Awards, will be on the Classic Rock Awards special that is available from teamrock.com. It's well worth checking out. But, as well as all this, there have been a few other things this week, including fish bands, about which it's probably best to not ask any questions. You'll just kind of see when we get to that bit. Probably safer that way. That's it. 
This is episode three, Revenge of the Jews cast. Let's get to it. Yeah. <laughs> At least if like somebody nicks the van, you'll be able to keep track of it and figure yeah, out what's that. We get pulled over all the fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, smells interesting. Yeah. Gamey, we've been told. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what is, is it the Invasive Species Tour that you're on now? Yep. Cool. The van smells bloody awful, we've just been told, because Crowbot are on the road. They're out on the Invasive Species World Tour. Is it a world tour or is it? We can call it a world tour, sure. All right, cool. Yeah, it depends on how big your world is, how broad your horizons are, I suppose. We're pretty broad. It's all about perspective, man. <laughs> I'm joined in the studio by Crowbot. I've got Brandon and Bishop on the mics and the other guys are just loitering around. Shout hello. Hello. We were going to get him to do like jungle noises in the background, make it sound like we're in the rainforest or something, but <laughs> might just be a waste of effort. So, dude, how, how are you? Great. Great. We had a little bit of flight delays getting here, but, uh, you know, that's sort of the crowbot curse for traveling. So now that we dealt with it, we won't have to deal with it again. So, so what what is the, the, the crowbot curse with traveling? Um, Usually about, what, at least 12 hours of delays before we actually yeah. get on a plane once or, or twice during a... a Travel venture. <laughs> How long is it? It took us like 36 hours to get home from the Europe from Europe last time. Ouch. Yeah, when we were stuck in the airport, they wouldn't let us leave, so we were like sleeping on benches. And Jake built a, a tent fort. And it was just like <laughs> sleeping, <laughs> sleeping a tent fort. Yeah, with like a bunch of kids. It was awesome. <laughs> it must be a lot of fun. I mean, he, he making the best of a bad situation. Like even if you are like held up in the airport, it must be so much more fun. Being with your mates and being able to hang out as opposed to like being on your own or just like just a couple of you just odd now. I mean, it, it was pretty close to every day. We we usually sleep on benches. It was yeah. just that it was at the airport. That's oh, what right. sucked yeah, about yeah. it. And th they, gave us, they gave us vouchers, so at least we could get like a couple free beers, you know, <laughs> instead of just spending all the money we had on, on beer. That would be a danger, wouldn't it? Yeah. You, they're not exactly cheap in airports if no, you want a beer, are like they? Ten, like 10 bucks for us. Hell's bells. So let, let's move on from the sad bits about traveling <laughs> to the good bits of traveling. Right, you're out touring the UK. You're on a day off today. You're going to be in Milton Keynes tomorrow night, spending a lot of time in the van. How do you pass the time when you're not actually on stage, kicking it, doing whatever you do? What did we do last time? Well, we watched uh, Black Dynamite uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever Black seen that? Dynamite. Black no. Dynamite. Check Black it out. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good movie. <laughs> Enlighten me! I've, I've, I've heard of Black Dynamite. It's a, it's a black exploitation film for America, but it, it's supposed to. It's set like in the seventies, but I think it's only like a few years old. It's a yeah. modern one, isn't it? yes. Yeah. So they, yeah. they made it like old. Yes, yeah. I do remember. It's I've like heard a karate, about that. black dude karate film. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, okay. The guy who plays Spawn is the the main character. He's Black Dynamite. Really? He does an awesome job. Yeah. I thought that Spawn was kind of a. It, it wasn't a good comic book movie, and it kind of yeah. predated the current obsession with comic book movies. But I don't think it was as bad as people make out. Oh, I, I liked it. I loved Spawn as a kid. I, I don't, don't remember the movie at all. I guess it didn't that much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that one didn't make <laughs> much really of an impact slow. then. I love John Linguizama as the violator. I thought that was hilarious. Yes. I mean, it's just that, you know comic relief of, of the film you know really for me I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good one 
kind of kind of sank with our trace really. <laughs> but this is the first time I've heard anybody mention the Spawn movie in Ever. probably 10 years <laughs> like when given like the current obsession with comic book movies I mean do you remember a time when there used to be films that weren't based on comic books or based on another movie that was made 20 years ago or yeah or reboots yeah. of a Jeez. movie from years ago Jesus Christ are you guys yeah. Star Wars fans by any chance Yes. <laughs> so have you sorted out how and where you're going to see The Force Awakens yet? Gal, Gal the mic. Uh, I, I kind of got to plan a schedule right now because like, I got to go see it with my sister and my dad and then I got to go see it with my buddy Charlie and I, I don't know. It's, I'm actually kind of stressing out right now about <laughs> where and when I'm going to be to go see Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that must be the tricky thing. If you guys are out touring, you're on the road, you're heading out all over the world, like... Shit, I mean, th this is this is the music and this is important, but this is important, and then there's Star Wars, goddammit! <laughs> I want to get to see Star Wars! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> but back to Crowbot, I mean, you're out doing this tour right now with... Let me remember this correctly, you're out on the road with Scorpion Child and Buffalo Summer. Yeah. I mean, you're on the same label, Nuclear Blast, as Scorpion Child, so have you known these guys long? Yeah, we, we uh, toured with them, what, like a year and a half ago? Is it that long so. ago? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's yeah. been a while, it's part you of know. The blurs. Um, but we did a, like a, a few week run with them in the States and uh, stayed in touch since then. Every time we'd be in Austin, they'd come out and, you know, it'd be a lot of fun. We'd get really drunk together. Well, I found something out last night that I need to grow up and be a man. You see, going from work. I had some tea that my beloved wife had prepared because uh, she's off work this week. So, you know, had me tea. had a shower. And it's when I put me boxers on afterwards. Beloved looked at me and said, those are a bit tatty. You should get some more. It's fair enough. It was then that I realised I've been married now for four and a half years. And it was probably a good year or so before that that I split up with my last serious girlfriend. So say five and a half years since I split up with my previous girlfriend before my beloved wife. And the only person who's ever bought me any underwear was my ex-girlfriend's grandmother. I've gone five and a half years without any new Grundies. This is terrible. I'm a grown man. I'm 34 years of age. How the hell do I manage when I don't even go out and buy... Then I thought, right? The only person who's ever bought me any socks within living memory anyway, is me mother. I just need to grow up, don't I? I need to grow up, be a man, and go and buy me own bloody underwear. Is it just me that does this? Oh, failing that, I suppose, I could always give my ex-girlfriend a shout. See if her grand could get me some pants for Christmas. There is something far more important and far more pressing that I've literally only just found out about about 10 minutes ago. It's this. Don't cry, Mommy. Don't cry. There's a new trailer online. <gasps> Dory. It's from Finding Dory! Dory? This is amazing! Dory? It's the middle of the night. Dad. Oh, this is absolutely... Could you know how good Finding Nemo is, yeah? 
Finding Dory, the sequel's coming out soon. Absolutely amazing. This is absolute, just, it's just made my Tuesday. But what has also made my Tuesday is the fact that the guys on Metal Hammer magazine, who are just uh, two floors underneath me right now in the studio here at Maywood House in North London, uh, they've spent about the best half hour coming up with fish band puns. Uh, they've just been tweeting saying the best they've got so far are Sepultuna, Gill Switch Engage, and Sharkway Drive. Absolutely amazing. So, I want you to get in touch with your fish-based band puns. If you think you can top Sharkway Drive or Gill Switch Engage, then pff, go for it. Tweet me to at TeamRockBelong. Use the hashtag FishBands. Now, of course, there's the usual stickleback, fish finger death lunch, all that kind of thing. The best I could come up with was Whale Storm. But then I realised that whales aren't fish. That one was awkward, but there are loads coming up. If you go on Twitter right now, search for the hashtag fishbands, and you'll find uh, Dave Rutt was, came up with uh, Insane Clownfish Posse. <laughs> I love that one. Puppy McPooch and a few other folks as well came up with Cannibal Carps. That's probably my personal favourite, if I'm honest. But Annabelle Cruz came up with the brilliant mullet for my valentine. And now, the sound of a squid on a trampoline. I'd like you to welcome to the studio right now from therapy, the legendary Andy Ken. First question has to be, dude, how are you? How's Andy Ken's nowadays? Andy Ken's is fantastic nowadays. Thank you very much. Great to be in and great to be here. And still going with therapy. I mean, you are, is it 14 studio albums? Mm, Holy yeah. shit, man. Yeah, but we're going since December 1989. So, uh, yeah, 25, it'll be 26 years. You ever think that you'd make it this this far? No. Still doing the band? No, of course I didn't. I didn't think it'd be this far with the band, and I wasn't even sure if I'd be alive at this point either. <laughs> well, you made it, yeah. and the latest album, Disquiet, came out in, I think it was March this it year. It was March this year, yeah. Now, I ask this question to a load of people, because I always find it fascinating to uh, like, hear what they respond with. Mm. But the album now came out, what, what month are we in? We're in November. Mm -hmm. So the album came out now like seven months ago, something yeah, like that. Yeah. You've got a little bit of distance on there mm -hmm. and the fact it had been a delayed release before that. Yeah. How do you feel about it now with just that little bit of hindsight? Oh, I love it. I love it, I do. I mean, and every single album we make, I can't really judge until about, as you say, five, six, seven months later on. But this one's been great. I mean, we're going on our third tour of the album in Europe starting... On uh, Wednesday we leave, we play on Thursday night in Holland and Alkmaar. We're going back to 2016, we're starting the year with Holland, Czechoslovakia and France. We haven't been to France in a few years. You know, wow. It's, it's been doing really well for us and it's great. You know, we're, um, so we'll, we'll have got four different separate little tours out of it since the release of the album, which is great. Yeah, it's keeping us very busy. And the, <laughs> the, the punters like it, the critics love it. Um, so it's, and it's selling quite reasonably well, so we're very happy. Well, you've had a couple of singles off the album. I'm going to play the latest one, uh -huh. Destimate, in a few minutes' time. But there's one track on the album that I really wanted to ask you about, Vulgar Display of Powder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, this is a great song. Yeah. For me, I, I reckon it's probably one of the heaviest riffs on the album I, mm. I really dig it yeah did you at any point when naming that song think it's really heavy and there's the obvious vulgar display of power Pantera mm. yeah. connection in there did that cross your mind at all we wrote the song after we had the title 
Right. Yeah. So we 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 thought the songs about legging in rock and roll. And I love. Like, I've got know, to hold my hands up yeah, to that. I've done my share of that. <laughs> and it was like we we wanted something suitably majestic as a riff to go with it. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we don't tune to A sharp, and that we we got that from there. So yeah. Els bells. Yeah. A sharp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. If you if you're not a musician, uh, standard concert pitch guitar tuning is uh, your, your your bottom string. The 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 lowest string is an E. Mm-hmm. And then if you are drop tuning, it goes to D. Mm-hmm. Kill switch engage, for example, tune uh, drop C. Yeah. So they're down a whole tone from concert pitch, mm. and then they drop tune, so it's in C. Yeah. So tune down to A sharp. Yeah, our last album, uh, A Brief Crack of Light, we had about four songs on it on A sharp. So yeah. do you just, I'm sorry, we are going to get a bit geeky. Yeah. <laughs> so just uh, when, when you're tuning down to A sharp, do you need to get your like your guitars all reset up, or do you just use strings that are you know literally what? telegraph wires? Do you know what we we used to use strings that were nearly telegraph wires, and we used to get two or three guitars which our techs would hand us. Recently, we've discovered this brilliant pedal, and can I name a brand? On yeah, go for it. Go for uh, it. It's, it's Digitech. Other pedals are available, but it's a Digitech drop pedal, which means you can have it in standard E. Yeah, it's, it, with light strings, tension same as a normal guitar. But you press the pedal and it drops you anything from one, of one, two, three, four, five, six steps wow. down. Yeah. And it means so I can play Nowhere, which is in regular E tuning. And then the next song, hit the pedal and it takes me into drop A sharp. Whoa. And it means that I'm not playing with really floppy strings like we would have done a few years ago. It's fantastic. It's completely changed the way we play guitar. That, I, I had no idea that kind yeah. of thing even They're not existed. expensive. Yeah, they're worthwhile getting. It was Michael, the bass player, Michael McKeegan in therapy. He discovered them early this year and he actually got in touch and said you got to get this pedal I've got one they're amazing and we took it on tour in Finland we were in Finland a couple of months ago and we were able to do the entire set in E drop D drop C and drop A sharp with the same guitar bloody hell yeah. uh, but after all these years of doing the band you know, like as you said you mentioned earlier right therapy had been going since you said it was December 89 December 89 yeah bells bells how do you uh, come up with new stuff without thinking shit we did that 15 years ago on XYZ album how do you come up with new creative ideas read lots of books and I listen to lots of new bands and that's really pr- pretty simple for me just read lots of books because books you know, even if I'm sitting in the same place for two months but I'm reading a lot of books that fires my imagination and I listen to a lot of new bands and um you know, then that can inspire me to write things, you know, and it's, imagination's a great thing, you know, it's like, um, whenever I feel as if I've been maybe dried up with ideas or whatever for a while, I take a bit of time off. I remember having a bit of advice a while ago uh, from a friend of mine saying, just walk away, don't force it to happen. You know, if you're trying to write a song and it's not happening, just walk away, it'll come in its own time. Wow, because yeah. it's wonderful to hear you say that, it really is brilliant, because I've heard too many bands, mainly, with the greatest of respect, older bands mm-hmm. who say oh no I don't listen to new music at all I don't listen yeah. to any new I don't that's of no relevance to me it's like it's the creative circle it, it, they, yeah. they've been inspired by what's come before and then older musicians can still be inspired by younger stuff and it's wonderful to hear you say that you're really into newer music so if you want to plug some newer bands that you're listening to mm-hmm. right now who are you listening to what's on your iPod well, at the minute, a band I really like is from San Diego. They're called the Nervosas, three-piece band. Um, Mickey, brilliant. She's a brilliant guitar player on the guitar. Does a bit of back and vocals. 
a guy originally from Dublin's on bass, uh, plays main vocals, and a guy that used to be in tons of punk bands around San Diego's on drums. Uh, their new album, self-titled, it came out. It came out about two months ago. It can. It's a bit huskadoo. It's a bit wipers. But also, she's got that thing that, that Mickey, the guitar player, is one of my favorite guitars. She's got that thing where it's angular. It's almost a bit like Detroit's in her Voivod, or bits of um, a bit like that, only a slightly cleaner sound. Really inventive guitar playing. I really like a band from Detroit called Proto Martyr that are on their third album now. Very atmospheric post-punk, a bit like Peru Boo, Gang of Four, a bit of Joy Division in there. Listen to them a lot. There's an electronic musician. I listen to quite a lot of electronic mu- music. There's a guy called Powell who made the news headlines recently in a, sp- a slight thing he had with Steve Albini. He wanted to sample Steve Albini. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah. The actual music he's d- he does, I've, I've liked the last few of his releases. It's very, very powerful. It's almost like riffy dance, if that makes any sense. It's not like The Prodigy or, or Justice. It's very, very drum-based. But it's if you like metal and you like sort of hardcore industry, you'll love this. It's really, really powerful. Cool. All right, hmm. you heard it here first. We are talking fish bands, or rather hashtag fish bands, because there's a new trailer for Finding Dory out online, which has got the entire world very excited, and rightfully so, because, you know, Finding Nemo's one of the greatest kids' films ever made, and they're making a sequel to it, which makes me extremely happy indeed. So Metal Hammer started off hashtag fish bands, where it's basically rock band fish Puns. Paul Midson's got in touch. What up, Paulie? He says, uh, Jews, how about nine-inch scales? That'll do, pig. That'll do. Vivi's got in touch. How about squid rock? Ooh. It's a cephalopod. But it lives under the sea, so if I can get away with whale storm, then Vivi can get away with squid rock. There's a load more coming in as well. Flesh cod apocalypse. <laughs> John Enright suggested that one. Excellent idea. But the winner for right now has got to be Crofty uh, from Sky Sports F1. He's just tweeted me and he must be listening at home before he heads off for uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix. He's got in touch said, how about Sushi and the Banshees? We have a winner! But if you're listening to Tenacious D with your kids, it can be... Ooh. It's like sitting down with your mum and dad to watch a film and then it's going on very well. Then in the middle of it, oh, there's a surprise sex scene. I think it's time for me to go put the kettle on. Serious. When that happens, it's as awkward as listening to Lance Armstrong in Dodgeball. You know, once I was thinking about quitting when I was diagnosed with brain, lung, and testicular cancer all at the same time. But with the love and support of my friends and family, I got back on the bike and I won the Tour de France five times in a row. Hmm, wonder how he won the Tour de France five times in a row. And you may have heard him earlier on today, but he's stuck around and he's joining me in the studio again right now. It is the legendary man who is brimful of Asher, Mr. Stephen Hill. (laughs) Okay, right, you've heard of the big rock spats. You've heard of D. Snyder versus Paul Stanley. You've heard of Vince Neil versus Axl Rose. But the big one, the the really big rock fight is Stephen Hill and Corner Shop. It's true, they hate me. They absolutely they hate me. <laughs> so if you if you weren't like musically aware or if you weren't around in the 90s or whatever, Corner Shop were uh, they were awful one it wonders, but even then the the hit that they had which is this one. Even then, the hit version of the song was remixed by Fatboy Slim. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, and they've got the nerve. 
they've got the nerve, right? Because basically, I tweeted. I mean, can I talk about Q? It's Q Magazine. Yeah, Q Magazine. Q Magazine um, did the top 100 albums of the 90s. And being a fan of the 90s and being, you know, yeah. basically from the 90s, forged from steel in the 90s, <laughs> I, uh, I had a little look expecting to be really angry. And actually, it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. There's some really good albums in there. Um, but the good, the, the good albums that they do put in there are below really rubbish albums that you'd expect to be in there. So Elastica were above Rage Against the Machine's first album, which I was absolutely <laughs> furious about. But the one that got me was a few pages down, the Downward Spiral, the masterpiece, the, the magnum opus of the true genius Trent Reznor, um, was below... I don't even know what the album's called by Corner Shot, but it's a terrible... <laughs> like, obviously, like, the one with Brimful of Asher on it, right? So... How? And I just tweeted, I went, oh, what are you doing? I didn't tag Q or Corner Shop in, but Corner Shop being the sad, sad d idiots that they are, are still out there right now, Googling their own name, like looking for themselves somewhere on the internet, desperate for some sort of attention, and just uh, posted a, a three-word retort, which was like, <laughs> F.U. Hill. That's it. And I was, this, uh, this was last Wednesday, I yeah. think. And it absolutely made my day. I was in a meeting at the time, and I was a bit bored, to be honest. I was just flicking through Twitter, absolutely pissing myself laughing. Because you just arguing with these guys. And they, they were maintaining. And they and it seems like Corner Shop honestly believe... They're better than Nine Inch Nails. They are better than Nine Inch Nails. They're not nails. better than Nine Inch Nails. Like, it's not even an insult to go, you're worse than Nine Inch Nails. There are bands I love who are worse than Nine Inch Nails. But they're like, no, we're not. And you are... How delusional are you? <laughs> How delusional? So I sort of went, come on. I mean, I'm not... And I, I even said, look, I wasn't having a go. I was just saying, you know you're not better than Nine Inch Nails. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're flying these and leather gloves and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, look, mate, like trying to go all like, oh, metal, ha, ha, ha. And it's like, well, one, they're not a metal band. Two, you're still living in the 90s, clearly. Three, this is the most attention you've had since you were on the bloody Ozone. Four, <laughs> in 1997. Four, Johnny Cash covered Nine Inch Nails. Who like you? Jamie Theakston and Zoe Ball. Do one, you idiots. And four, like, and, and they even retweeted me, insulting them, saying, look, I'd be able to take you a lot more seriously if you didn't, if your music didn't make ocean colour scenes sound like the Velvet Underground. And they retweeted that, and I thought, oh, here we go. All of Corner Shop's fans are going to round on me. Literally not one person <laughs> has gone, oh, mate, I like Corner Shop. Not one person. The, uh, the thing I love about this is that just for once, for once, you weren't actually looking for a fight here. I wasn't. I wasn't. But, I was just going, That's, what are you playing at, they, they kind of brought this up to you, and you're like, I, 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 don't, I don't care about you. No. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care about Corner Shop back in the 90s, so I, I care even less now. It's been mad. And the fact that people are taking my side, like other people are like <laughs> taking my side and going, shut up, Corner Shop, chill out, Corner Shop. And they're still like... 24 hours later, they're st still tweet were tweeting me days later, or a week later. I got a tweet from yesterday <laughs> going, Shut up, you Nazi, or something. It's like, mate, let it go. Go this, and write an album. This we'll is get Fat Boy Slim to absolutely my favorite rock and roll spat of 2015. It's not, gotta be. I'm not backing down from a poor man's cooler shaker. <laughs> I've only just found out about this this morning. I had no idea, right? Where did the impetus come from for... I mean, yeah, Iron Maiden and Motorhead have done beers. They've got a massive infrastructure behind them as these huge bands who've got all the money in the world and all that kind of thing. Where does the impetus for the Crowbot Supernaturale come from? 
we uh, we played the Clutch Tour uh, over, you know, like two years ago. And one of the guys from this brewery came out and saw us, and he loved the band. And uh, he asked us if we wanted to, to uh, make a beer. And um, we went to the brewery, Double Barley Brewery in North Carolina. And uh, we started crafting the beer. It took like a year and a half to get right. And then... Uh, yeah, we finally put it out. We just did a big release down there at their at their brewery, which is really cool. Yeah, it's how a, it's do, a how double brown. How do you brown. craft an ale? Um, how do you? Well, he he got he went around to everyone and he let us try all their beers and he took little bits of what <laughs> each of us really liked about their beer and what you know. That's the only reason like. you did this, isn't it? You got free beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for like two years straight. Like every time we would be around, we got free beer. But um, you know, and he came up with a double brown imperial. Imperial Double Brown Ale um, with uh, current uh, flavor infused into it, and it's 11.2%. So. That sounds like rocket fuel. Yeah, it is. I mean, very jump. small bottles. <laughs> They're actually 22-ounce bottles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you, can you, like, take that around the world with you, or can you only get that in the States? You can try. I don't know. They must stop you. <laughs> but... Right, well, uh, Nick from Nuclear Blast Records is in the room with us as well. Nick, can we get some of that stuff? Right. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you go to brewsandales.com, you can order it from there. Um, Brews and Ale, how yeah, am I? B-R-U-I, wait, B-R-U-S-I-N, Bruising. Go to crowbotband.com, I'm sure we have like a link or something up for it. So you mentioned Clutch there. From the first time I heard about you guys, and I heard some of your, your riffs that, to be fair, have absolutely massive testes. <laughs> I said, those guys should go out on the road with Clutch. You've been out before. Uh, you're heading out on the road with Clutch again next month, is it? Yeah. 27th, December 27th is the first date. That must be something that you look forward to doing. Great, yeah, I get to stand there and watch Clutch every night. Yeah. Great yeah. belated Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do you get on with the guys from Clutch? Yeah, they're great guys. We we had a blast when we were out out on the road with those guys, and you know, from band to crew, they're all sweethearts, and you know, we really learned a lot from being out there with those guys. So it's gonna be cool, like in retrospect, to come back two years later and go back out, even though it's like a short four or five days. It's gonna be cool. Do you find touring with bands who've been around for years, like you did the um, was it the Motorhead Motorboat yeah. thing? Mm -hmm. You did that. I mean, you're going on the road with Clutch. Uh, do you find it an educational experience going out on the road with bands who've been around and doing it for longer than you have? Absolutely. You know, they're definitely there for a reason. You know, it's not just some fluke that Motorhead's been doing it for 40 years. Yeah. You know, they're doing something right. And uh, it, it, I think what it boils down to is just don't be a dick. You know, that's the one <laughs> that's the one constant through, you know, all the bands we've toured with, you know, that are successful and still doing it. It's, yeah. Nobody's a dick. That's important life lesson. Not only for <laughs> being in a band, just just in general. Don't be a dick. <laughs> so you are out on the Invasive Species Tour and then you're heading out with Clutch just after Christmas. Brilliant Christmas present that is. What's next for Crowbot? What 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 are you doing on into 2016 and beyond. We got some new tunes that uh, we're gonna be uh, unveiling out here. Um, so hopefully January, February, we'll get back in the studio and, and uh, work on the next record. And rinse and repeat the cycle. 
Yeah. Just keep touring the wheels off our vans and keep the iron hot. It's wonderful to catch up with you guys. Enjoy the tour. Thank you. And now, the sound of a squid in a blender. We've just had Frank Tuna. Thanks to Roy for suggesting that one. Talking hashtag fish bands. And we will move on from this soon, I promise. <laughs> There's a new Finding Dory trailer online. So uh, we've all kind of gone a bit fish crazy. Roy suggested Frank Tuna. King Doug's tweeted us to at Team Rob Belong with the hashtag fish bands. Said Queens of the Stonefish. <laughs> I approve of this. Mark Alderson says, how about Turbot Negro? Oh, oh, you went there. Chris Donnarumma said, how about Coheed and Kandiru? And he thankfully pointed out that the Kandiru is that fish that swims up your knob in the Amazon. Great. Thanks. Thanks for that one, Chris. And the guys at Hex Piercing said, of mice and manta rays. <laughs> I was going through an old hard drive at the weekend. And it's got interviews and stuff that I've done throughout my career. It's loads of old audio, just like interviews and links that I've done and old demos and songs that I wrote years ago and all that kind of thing. And I found from when I spoke to David Hasselhoff years ago, for some reason, I asked him to record the lyrics from Sweet Child of Mine. Wouldn't it be wonderful to hear David Hasselhoff reading the lyrics to Sweet Child of Mine? She's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. Now and then, when I see her face, she takes me away to that special place. And if I stared too long, I'd probably break down and cry. Whoa, sweet child of mine. Oh, sweet child of mine. She's got eyes of the bluest skies as if they thought of rain i hate to look into those eyes and see an ounce of pain her hair reminds me of a warm safe place where as a child i hide and pray for thunder and rain to quietly pass me by whoa sweet child of mine whoa sweet child of mine now, isn't your day just that little bit better for hearing David Hasselhoff read the lyrics to Sweet Child of Mine? I've no idea why, but mine certainly is. So last night, as I'm sure you now know, was the Classic Rock Roll of Honor 2015. And normally at these award shows that Team Rock puts on, normally I'm working quite a lot, right? So, for example, at the Metal Hammer Golden God Awards earlier on this year, I was presenting the actual show itself from uh, on teamrock.com, not the actual, I wasn't on stage presenting the show. I was presenting the, the radio bit of it, okay? So I was all night sat there interviewing, thinking, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? How do I word this? What do, Doing all this kind of stuff. Whereas last night, I had a few bits to do on the red carpet, but then all the guys, I mean, Pete Bailey and J-Rock and Shant, they had everything else covered. So I was basically a runner for the night just moving stuff around and just, just solving little problems as they came up. That's all I was doing. I had it easy last night. I also discovered that I could do that job while drunk, but that's a story for another time. So one of my jobs last night 
was getting the stage feed because behind the main stage in the roundhouse, we had our engineer Mark sat there getting the feed of what was happening on stage. So I had to get memory sticks with some of the audio from him there, then run them around to the other side of the venue so that Sean could get them all edited up and sorted out to go in the show that was going out last night. And I gotta say, I may have loitered slightly to watch some of the awards actually being dished out, including this one. I'll hand over to our compare for the evening, the legendary Chris Jericho. All right, next award is the album of the year as sponsored by the amazing Roadrunner Records. Once again, voted on by the readers of Classic Rock Magazine. The winner is headlining Download on Sunday night next June. The album topped the charts in 24 different countries. The winner is Iron Maiden, The Book of Souls. The first time I've had one of these, so it's absolutely brilliant. I'd love to accept it on behalf of the band. The most wonderful thing about this award, apart from having it from uh, a terrific magazine, even though it said horrible things about us, <laughs> the, main, the main thing is that this award... <laughs> Sorry. I was just, I was going to have a, my prepared speech is written on the back of this bottle of Trooper, but like most people here, I can't read it. Um, so, um, the most important thing about all of this is that um, it was voted for by the fans, who are the only people in this entire universe that actually matter. So I know you've got a long, long evening of uh, drunkenness, revelry and... Um, well, you know, as, as far as you can get up in the morning and all the rest of it getting on to your advanced classic age. Um, so, uh, seeing as I appear to be going up in smoke at the moment, uh, I'll bid you a very good evening and uh, uh, drink a bit more of this stuff. You will remember nothing, I promise you. This is what it's all about. Uh, you say that you're heading off to Europe very soon. You've got loads of European dates. You're going to be back in Ireland in the UK, mm -hmm. uh, playing Dublin on the 10th and 11th of December, playing mm -hmm. Belfast on the 12th, and yeah. London's Electric Ballroom on the 19th. Yeah. And you're doing Infernal Love. Yeah. Because is it the 20th anniversary? Yeah, this year's the 20th anniversary. Hell's bells, uh -huh. man. <laughs> How on earth are you going to do something like, for example, Diane live? Are you, are, you, are you taking a string section out with you? You see, a string section, each member charges £250 per day. So for the sake of three, four songs on that album, that would cost us a fortune. Yeah. Neil Cooper, our wonderful drummer, bought himself a sampler, which is triggered by pads. Neil is, tr is sampling the string section with a pad through a sampler system. Right with you. Right. Uh, for the other keyboard parts, I can play a little bit of uh, piano and keyboard, so I'm bringing a synth with me, and I've got a string sound on the synth. So, you know, if nothing else, it will just be hilarious to watch it feel. <laughs> <laughs> the wonders of modern technology. It'll be a bit like that bit in Phoenix Nights, you know, with the guy, you can take us by airplane. <laughs> I'll be like that, you know, be, I'll be, we'll be going to play Diane on a sample of like a chimp's tea party will come out or something like that. <laughs> I I would love love to see yeah. that, but when you when you, with you playing Infernal Love twentieth anniversary, there's got to be some songs on the album that you haven't played in years. Yeah, how do you go about relearning your own stuff? Google is a wonderful thing for lyrics. <laughs> 
I've actually, because believe it or not, I don't have all our records at home. Really? Yeah, because it was one of those things back in the 90s. I was so out of my head the whole time. We'd go into the office and go, there's there's a copy of Trouble Gum, there's a Japanese copy, there's the the B, there's the single with the B-sides on it, there's a coloured vinyl 7-inch. And I'd go, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'll get it later. And of course, I never got it later. Yeah. So like Michael McKeegan, the bassist in the band, he's the archivist. He's got every 7-inch, every stamped, limited edition. And whenever we went to do the Infernal Love show in Sonosphere last year, I realised I didn't have a copy of the album. Um, <laughs> the record shop in Cambridge where I live only had Trouble Gum and uh, the last album, A Brief Crack of Light. Uh, obviously with iTunes, you don't get the lyrics. Yes. So I had to go on to Google and Google Infernal Love lyrics. That is amazing <laughs> that you had to Google <laughs> your own lyrics. lyrics. Yeah. And I'm ashamed to say, <laughs> at one point, I couldn't work out the chords in one of the songs, so I had to go online and go on a guitar tab. Oh, that was going to be my next question because yeah. I'm for a lot of guitar players, you know, if you once you learn a song, it's always kind of going to be there in the back of your mind yeah. somewhere, and and your fingers will do the the remembering for yeah. you when you're trying to play yeah. it. Was it was that the case? That was the case. Well, we did a Trouble Gum show as well, the previous album year before. There's, there's yes. a song on Trouble Gum called Unrequited, which even back in the day when Trouble Gum was out, we didn't play much. It was the kind of ugly duckling of the album that never got played much. And when we did some of those shows. I could, there was there was no muscle memory because we didn't even play it live back yeah. in the day, and it was in some weird tuning which I didn't write down. So it was like literally, it was my hands were like Andy Summers at one point, just <laughs> trying massive to suspended chords. Suspended chords. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, it, it genuinely shocks. Although maybe reading stories about you in the nineties, maybe it shouldn't shock yeah. me that that's the case. Yeah. I mean, most of the most of the Infernal Love album's fine. Most of it's there, but there's a few tracks where like what. And um, so it should be fun. We've done one show, as I say, at Sonosphere, and it was a great success. But you know, if it'll be it'll be a great night. We're going to play some B sides that were around at that time as well. We're also going to play some relevant songs in our canon that would be that maybe suit Infern Love as well. Oh, sweet man! I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm really going to try and make it down oh, to that. Good one. man, yeah. Although it's as it's coming up to Christmas, you know, it's it's the, that kind of run up where. Right, so we've got to go this party and then yeah. all the Christmas parties are going on. Yeah. And like, let's try and make a work Christmas party. Let's go see yeah. therapy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I was going to ask you something else as well about the Ah, right, yes. We mentioned earlier, of course, therapy has been going since 89, mm -hmm. December of 89. Mm -hmm. And we were mentioning there, like, your, what a terror you were in the 90s mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. But uh, how have you from a personal or from a band standpoint how have you seen the music industry change since 89 i think it's i think it's in a good place at the minute it's get, it took a little while to adjust post internet i mean a lot of people my age all of a sudden oh my god we're all doomed it's over you know they're stealing our work i'm i'm not being funny but you know if i was 15 I do exactly the same thing. Yeah, you know, we. I mean, I remember being told tape trains killing music. All those stickers on albums back then, and I don't know. I think I've seen the change in it. I think it's a good thing. I think at one point, I mean, there's a there's a movie coming out, so not from based on the John Niven book, Kill Your Friends, right? And it's about the music business in the nineties, and it was there was a great deal of excess going on. There was mon money being thrown about. Uh, you know, I remember the the video we did for Diane off Infernal Love cost about two hundred thousand pounds. And I remember thinking at the time, we didn't know how much it cost when we made it, 
And someone said, "Look, well, you know, this was in 1995. That would have bought me a very nice house in Northern Ireland. You know? yeah. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's silly money then. You know, those days are gone. And I think it's all the better for it, to be honest. I think people, whenever there's too much money involved, people's creativity takes a hammer in. And I think whenever you've got small means and you have to make the most of what you got, it really brings out the best in musicians and creative types. And I think it's a, it's a good place. I think it will get to a nice, stable place where there is... Uh, recompense for musicians. Also, we we love playing live, and that's where the money is. You know that if you want to if you want to survive and basically pay your mortgage and get by, you have to play live. And I was never I've never ceased to be amazed by the people I knew in the nineties, and I won't name names because some of them are friends, but really really big bands that hated playing live, hated it. And I would I would meet them in a pub and go, well, "How's it going? Oh, we're going on tour next week." Well, well, you're in a band. That's what bands say. I hate it. Well, I hate the food. I hate going on tour I just want to be at home not not one or two people I'm talking in their ten, tens here people that I know in bands and that, that just I've never the mind doesn't if it? you're in a band you you know there's, there's really good friends of mine and there's people I know very well love it you know and the, but there's some people I, I know that really really detest touring and I can never <laughs> understand that what musician has ever or, well, not musician. What budding, aspiring musician has ever grown up going? You know, I want to be. I want to be a rock star when I grow up and spend all my time in a studio working on albums. Yeah. No, or no. A lot of them want to be on the cover of magazines or in photos or, you know, or you know that they do, or hanging out at clubs. A lot of them don't actually want to get on a tour bus and play. And a lot of them as well. People as well. You know, band success differs from country to country. And also what, what you tend to get is, you know, a band that can be massive in the UK can maybe go to Austria and play to 50 people. Yeah. And another big thing that used to happen in the 90s a lot as well was that because there was so much money about, there'd be a lot of tour support, so which doesn't really exist anymore. Bands, yeah. A record company would go, right, okay, you're doing really well in the UK, let's send you over to Europe and here's 10 grand, get yourself a tour bus in some hotel rooms and you'll start over there from scratch. And so many bands would like play, maybe sell out the Astoria in London go to Germany and play to 80 people in the pub, do the next gig the next night in, in a pub in Germany for maybe 80 and go, you know what, we're going home. Yeah. Because they didn't want to do play to 80 people because they were used to playing to 1,500 people. That's quite common as well. Well, it's common in the 90s. And I think these days it's, you know, you've got to get your music out there, get it listened to, and then get out there and get seen and get out there and play. And that's, you know, as you say, you want to be a musician, you want to be playing music for people. Yeah, you want to be on stage, you want to be rocking out, you want to live the life. Yeah. Sadly, that life is not quite what it was in the 90s in some ways. But, <laughs> oh, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very you much doing? for coming in. Oh, thanks for having us. Oh, man. Okay, so Therapy are going out on the road. As I mentioned earlier, they're playing uh, Dublin on the 10th and 11th of December. They're playing Belfast on the 12th and London at the Electric Ballroom on the 19th. Dude, have an absolute stormer. Thank you very much, Mitch. Possibly not the most appropriate song to play at this time of year. But a damn good and nonetheless, that's Joe Satriani with Summer Song on TeamRock.com. Satch, of course, picked up the Maestro Award last night at the Classic Rock Roll of Honour, but he was also there to present an award. He presented the Living Legends Award to Brian May of Queen. Right, And after he'd done that, something really weird happened that I think is going to stick in my head forever. So after artists get their awards, then they go around the back and then they come downstairs to the Team Rock uh, broadcasting bit, which last night was actually a cloakroom, okay? So we had everybody coming around there. We had the photo wall. We had everything set up. And I didn't know this, but Brian May is into his photography. 
and there was this really bizarre moment when I took a picture of Brian May taking a picture of Joe Satriani on like the photo wall. It's really bizarre. I was tweeting it last night. It's at Dewsbury Rock on Twitter if you want to check this out. D-E-W-S-B-U-R-Y Rock. And I tweeted this. And then I was on my way home on the train last night. And then I looked and I saw, Joe Satriani's retweeted me. That was so cool. (laughs) But it was just such a weird thing to see these two gods of the world of rock. Like two of the most recognizable guitarists in the world. Brian May and Joe Satriani, they're just mates. They're just just hanging around, you know, just dicking about like mates do. It was really, really cool, but really odd at the same time. And now, the sound of a squid being stomped on by Super Mario. Well, there it is. There is episode three, Revenge of the Jews cast. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you have, tell your friends. Tell your grandma, tell your grandma's friends. Whatever. I don't know. I'm big hit with the old ladies, apparently. So I'm going to leave you now with the words of the great Rick Wakeman, who I spoke to at the Classic Rock Awards earlier on this week. He said to me, Dewsbury, I was getting into bed the other night. I was pulling off my boxers. And that was when I realized I spoil these dogs. Hmm. Huh.